Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Um, hello everyone. Uh, uh, how are you all doing? Oh, very, very vocal. That's good. Let's put in the back pocket, shall we? Um, if, we've, if we've not met, um, my name's Theo. I... Uh, I'm a mission group leader here, and um, yeah, I live with uh, four lovely, or three lovely gents, and uh, anyone else that wants to live with us, apparently. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's my privilege to be um, speaking with you tonight. Um, I've actually just um, been applying for some jobs recently, and uh, it's been going all right. Just got one actually, so I'm very, very happy. Thank you, thank you. Um, But as I, as I was, as I was starting to search for jobs, I looked back through my CV, and sort of right at the top it said organised individual and uh, judging by the laughs most of you know that's probably a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch um, of, the, of the truth um, this, isn't, this isn't a preach about lying but um, uh, yeah it was a bit, bit of an excessive one but anyway I, I normally when I, I go to leave the house I spend a fairly extended period of time trying to find my phone, my wallet, my keys my bike clock um, uh, anything that I'm supposed to be taking out with me is normally in a different place and uh, that's a fairly usual routine for me. And uh, the other, the other, last week, I was trying to find my wallet. And I was looking everywhere. I was getting more and more frustrated. Couldn't find my wallet. I was looking, I was like, it's not in my jacket. It's not in my pockets. Uh, it's not in my bag. Where, like, where is my wallet? And uh, get a call from one of my colleagues. And she's like, um, Theo, I think you've, uh, you've left your wallet in, on your desk. I was like, well, that, that'll, that'll be it then, won't it? And, uh, and the, the thing was, however long I'd searched my wallet at home, I'd never have found it. I was looking in the wrong place, and so I'd just become increasingly frustrated with myself, and ultimately I'd have been disappointed because I'd never have found it. I was looking in the wrong place. And I believe that we as, as human beings, we too are on a search, uh, not just for our wallets, but also we're on a search for intimacy, a search um, that m- where we have a desire to be known, fully known, and fully loved, a search for relationships. And this comes as we, I believe, that we are created by a God um, who creates us in his image, who creates us for relationships, relationships with each other, but also a relationship with God. But this relationship has become broken, and, but, and, and until it is restored, our relationships with, with each other experience uh, fraction and dis- disharmony. But as, they, uh, as our relationship with our creator is restored, our relationships with one another become healthier, more, du- uh, more durable, and more satisfying. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. How does our relationship with our creator God, how does it affect us? How does it affect our relationships? So to be doing this, we're, gonna st- uh, we're, we're not in one passage tonight. Often we just stay in the passage. We're jumping around a little bit. But we're starting right back at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, which is the creation account, uh, we find us in Genesis. And it's, a, it's an account of the world as it was created to be by God. The world was, world was right. And our relationships with one another were good. And our relationship with God was good. And what we find there is that, that we are created not just with the capacity for relationships, but the relationships are essential and core to our being. You see, first we learn that human beings are created in the image of God. In the image of God. The the God of the Christian faith is a God who is Trinity. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
Christian God is a communal, relational God, and as beings created in his image, we too are beings uh, that desire and need relationships. Secondly, we learn we're, we're created for relationships with one another. God speaks in Genesis 2 and says it's not good for man to be alone. We see Adam and Eve created, created in relationship with each other. And finally, we learn that we are created for relationship with God. God walks in the garden with Adam and Eve. You see, the God of the Christian faith, he, he's not just um, a God who creates the world and then disappears off for his job done. He's a God, nor is he a God like the, the pagan gods of old who um, creates the world, but then his involvement with it is dependent on his mood swings and he causes chaos. Nor is he a, a, a puppet master pulling strings, manipulating events. Instead, he is a God who walks in the garden. He is a God who desires intimacy and relationship with his creation, with me and with you. You see, we're created relational beings. We're created as beings that search for intimacy. But what are, what are we hoping that it will give us? Well, at its core, I think it's this desire that we have to be known, truly known, and truly loved. That's why relationships deepen over time. As we get to know one another more, as we become more increasingly known, relationships and friendships, they become more precious. I am... Um, I was um, chatting with someone the other day, and uh, they were saying they hate Amazon wish lists because all their, all their family do is they just look on the wish list and then just click that, and that'll be their Christmas present. And they said, no, I want someone to choose something because they know me, because they know what I want. We have this desire to be known and to be loved. We have a desire for intimacy. But also, as we, uh, we desire this intimacy and we desire relationship with each other, but we also recognize that um, often our Often our relationships are characterized by disappointment, by frustration, by hurt. And one of the reasons that I think this exists is that we use other relationships, we use other people to fulfill needs and desires that were never meant to be met by them. See, we, what, they were never meant to be satisfied by other people. But instead, we're ultimately meant to be satisfied by a relationship with God. What, 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 do I, what do I mean by this? Well, let's go back into the Garden of Eden. And we, as, as the story goes on, we learn that, that not all is not well. Why? For sin has entered the world. And as, as God um, walks in the garden, man hides from him, filled with shame. And ultimately, Adam and Eve are removed from the garden. There is a break in this relationship. You see, we, we tend to think of sin as perhaps naughty things that we do sometimes. You know, things that aren't, aren't quite right. The Bible is much more serious about sin. It says that, that the relationship that was supposed to bring you life has become broken. A relationship that was to be characterized by intimacy and worship has become one of distance and separation. You see, sin, as we, as we humans, as we choose our own path, rather than having a relationship with God of worship and intimacy, we choose our own path and we choose separation. We all do. But as we see this relationship with God is broken, we see that it impacts the relationships between humans. In Genesis chapter 3, we read of the impact of the sin. And God says to the woman, he says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. 
We see a breakdown in male-female relations, which we've seen throughout history. Patriarchy, the dominance of males, the, um, the subjugation of women, is a result of our sin. It's a result of our separation with God. As our relationship with our Creator is broken, so our relationships with one another start to break down. We see it in, in, um, in, in Adam and Eve's family, Cain and Abel. They fight, and Cain kills Abel. The family unit is broken down, relationships damaged. You see, our sin that has caused us to lose intimacy with God has caused a separation with him, impacts and affects our relationships. Our relationship with God is crucial and essential to our relationships with one another. Why? Well, in part, because we were cr- as we were created to be fully known and fully loved and fully satisfied with our relationship with God, when this is broken down because of our sin, we still have this craving, we still have this desire within us to be fully known and fully loved. It's part of our DNA, it's part of what makes us humans, and yet, because of our separation with God, we cannot attain it. But we still have this, this desire within us, and so we continue to search for it, and we search for it in other places. We look around us at the world and we see good things. We say, perhaps this is the thing that I've been searching for. Perhaps this is the thing that will meet my needs. Perhaps this person, perhaps this relationship can meet my needs. Perhaps if only, I was, if only they loved me, if only they knew me and loved me, then I would be satisfied. Then I would be fulfilled. Is this the person I was looking for? This is what the, the Bible calls idolatry. The Bible says that idolatry is when we take something that is good and we make it the ultimate. We take something that was good, relationships, friendships, and we make them into the ultimate. We make them into God. See, idolatry is not just um, uh, people in old times bowing down to statues. One writer puts it like this. He says, what is an idol? Well, sorry, it is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Is that anything that we seek to give us what only God can give. And we can do this with relationships. We can do this with, um, with our partners. We can do this with friendships. We can do this with our children. You see, we look to them to give us what only God was supposed to give us and what only he can give us. Well, how do we maybe think, well, how, do I, how do I bow down to my partner? I don't bow down to my friends. How do I know if they've become an ultimate thing? How do I know if, if our, my relationship has become idolatry? I've got a, f- a few sort of health check questions for us. The first one, do I go primarily to my, the relationship or do I go primarily to God? When you've um, had a bad day, when, when, stuff's, t- when stuff's tough, and stuff's really good. Where, where do we go first and where do we go exclusively? Now, hear me, hear me this, is, um, this is the fine line. This is where like, you have to work this one out. Because it's right to go to, to, your, to your partner. It's right to go to your friends for comfort. It's good. See, we were supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're not supposed to do life on our own. We've learned right at the start that um, we're supposed to be in relationship with one another. We're supposed uh, to be in community. It's a good thing. We're supposed to, be, to draw comfort from one another. But when we go exclusively or primarily to, the, to the someone else instead of to God, 
It's the danger that it becomes idolatry. We seek what only we seek in them what only God can give us. The second question does does the relationship push me towards or away from God? You see, an idol will always compete for our affections. An idol will, will, ne- will not want us to be going exclusively to God, our affections to be devoted to him, our intimacy needs to be met in him. An idol will pull us away. Does your relationship pull you towards or away from God? Third question, how does your affection compare to your affection for God? This is a bit of a, a, bit of a strange one. You think, I don't know, I was thinking about this, I was like, well, you know, my, the way I, the way I feel towards my girlfriend is not the same way that I feel towards God. The way I feel towards my friends, my parents, is not the same way that I feel towards God. That's probably healthy uh, and normal. But my, my question to myself, if I'm honest, and my question to you is, do I, um, do I desire intimacy more with this person than I desire intimacy with God? Do I think and, and, uh, and work towards creating intimacy with, with someone else m- over and above how I create and desire intimacy with God? Uh, where's my time spent? Is my time spent trying to create in- get intimacy and ne- my, have my needs met in someone else? Or is my time spent having my needs met in God and desiring intimacy with him? And um, you know, when you read um, through the Psalms, you see this kind of, um, like crazy intimacy that the psalmist has with God. He says, well, you know, as, the, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. We see it throughout history. There's a, um, a guy called uh, Brother Lawrence, who's a monk, and he, he said, I've had such delicious thoughts on the Lord Almighty, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to mention them. It sounds almost weird, like this level of intimacy that he had with God. Maybe it was a bit weird, but... My, my point is I'm, just, I'm, I'm challenged by it because I'm like, I'm not sure I've got that level of intimacy with God. I'm not sure I desire that level of intimacy with God. Like I might desire it with, with, a, with my girlfriend, but I'm not sure I desire it with God. Where are we seeking? Our, where's our, how does our affection compare to our affection for Christ? Just a bit of a health check for us. And the final one, if I lost this relationship, would I be able to maintain joy in Christ? Paul in Philippians says, all of this good stuff I count it as a loss compared to the joy of knowing Jesus, my Lord. If, we lost, if I lost my relationship, if you lost your relationship, would you still be able to maintain your joy in Christ? Yes, you'd be broken. Yes, you'd be gutted. But would you be able to still say, yes, but God is good. Yes, I know God is good. My circumstances are all over the place. But yes, God is good. You see, and I, when you lose an idol, it destroys you because all your hopes and dreams and affections were there, and it's gone. So maybe, maybe we're like, oh, what, what, I've got this idolatry. Maybe, uh, what, what's the problem with it, Theo? What if I am going to my, always to my partner for my affections? I'm not going to God. What's the problem? Maybe I am using, you know, maybe I am going there, but what, why? What's, what's the deal? What's the, the first problem is that they're probably going to let you down. Like I know if, if, um, if someone put all their hopes for joy, for satisfaction, for intimacy, for comfort, for affection on me, I'm going to let them down. I'm, not, I'm never going to live up to that. Like I, I, I can't. How could I, how could I possibly live up to that? How could I possibly meet all of their needs, all of their desires for comfort and affection, for intimacy? I couldn't do it. 
And so the, per- the person that would do that to me would become increasingly frustrated, increasingly disappointed that I wasn't meeting their needs. But like me, they'd be looking in the wrong place. They'd never, they'd never have all of their needs for intimacy and affection met in me. I, c- I couldn't possibly live up to that. And the second problem is, is that um, the person that we put our needs on, they're going to realize it and they're going to be crushed. The weight of the expectation would crush them. See, suddenly the, 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 all of that is weighing on their shoulders. I, I need to meet all of this person's needs. I need to meet all of their comfort. I need to meet all of their needs for intimacy and affection. And it would crush them. You see, you will, you will crush your idol. So if, it's, if, you're, if you're in a relationship and it's, it's an idolatrous relationship, it will, you will crush them. Out of love for them. You see, we, th- we think, we'd, oh, we think well, we get, we'll get closer to them if we, if we have all our needs for intimacy met in them. We think we'll get closer to them if, we, if, if all our needs for comfort are met in them. No, you will crush them, and you will become disappointed and frustrated. So this is, we've, we've seen in this problem that we, as beings, created the image of a relational God. We desire intimacy. We, desire crea- we were created for intimacy with one another, but ultimately we were created for intimacy with God. And we've seen that because of our sin, because of our idolatry, this has be- we've, um, our relationship with God has become fractured and broken. And we struggle to find intimacy with him. We're separated from him. And so we look elsewhere and we, we take these good things and we make them into ultimate things. Where do we, where do we go from here? Well, if, this, if the problem is that there's this broken relationship, the solution then must be that the relationship becomes restored. Well, how, how could we do that? Well, the, the good thing is, the way has been made, not by us, but by God. I don't know if you um, were expecting a Christmas store, uh, talk tonight. Uh, here's five minutes Christmas message for you all. Um, God is so desperate for relationship with his people. He's so desperate to have the relationship restored between humanity and himself that the, the word becomes flesh. God became a man. God, in the person of Jesus at Christmas, comes and dwells amongst us, and he makes a way in order for us to have the relationship restored with himself. Though we were the ones that had broken the relationship, though we were the ones who were separated from God, God pursues us and he restores the relationship with us. We sing this, uh, the carol, don't we? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. The person of Jesus comes and he makes a way where there was no way. And Jesus' is call uh, to people throughout the, the book of John, he says to them, he says to a woman at the well, and he says... Um, to the people by the pool. He says, if anyone who is thirsty, come to me. In John chapter 7, verse 38, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus says, if you're thirsty for intimacy, if you have this desire to be fully known and fully loved, come to your creator God who fully knows you and fully loves you. Come, you who are thirsty, come and drink from me. And rivers uh, of living water will flow from within you. And John tells us, explains what this means. He says, by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later received. See, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, 
as we, uh, because of Jesus, as we put our faith and our trust in him, our relationship with God becomes restored. And God no longer just walks in the garden with us. He comes and lives in us. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us and fills us with living water. This is good news. The good news of Christmas is that God restores the relationship between man and himself. And his spirit comes and lives in us. So how do we how do we get there? How do we how do we how does this how does this happen? Well, first we have to recognize and reject the idol. You see, when Jesus speaks in John 7, he says, Come, you who are thirsty, he's quoting a prophecy in Isaiah 55. It says this, it says, Come, all you who are thirsty. Do you hear that? Might sound familiar. Come to the waters. Jesus says, Come to me, I'm the And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. You see, we are buying, um, we are spending labor, our money on what is not bread and we labor on what does not satisfy. We look elsewhere. We look to idols to give us what only God can give us. We spend money on what is not bread. We labor on what does not satisfy. Your partner, your friend, your child, your parents, this relationship will never give you what only God can give you. It will never satisfy your needs for intimacy, to be fully known and fully loved. If you make them into an idol, they will let you down. Don't take something that is so good and so precious that comes from God and make it into an idol. Come to the fountain of living water. Don't spend money on what is not bread. Come, delight in the richest affair. Give ear, listen, that you may live. You see, as, as, our, uh, as our relationship with God becomes restored, as we encounter him, as we experience intimacy with him, it's going to affect affects our relationships. Well, how, how will it affect it? Well, it's, you see, first, they become healthier. We're less dependent no longer do we, do we need them to meet all of our needs. It's a healthier relationship. It becomes more durable. You see, no longer are we constantly frustrated and disappointed because they're not living up to this unrealistic expectation. There's potential for much more long-lasting relationships. They're not, um, yeah, we're, not having our, we're not trying to find things that we're never going to find there, so we're not going to become so disappointed and frustrated. Yes, of course, there will be difficulties in relationships. Yes, of course, there will be frustrations. Of course, there will be disappointments. But we won't be looking in the wrong place, and so they'll become more satisfying, for we have found what it is we were searching for in our relationship with God. Our primary source of satisfaction, of comfort, and intimacy must be God. And it will mean that our relationships with one another, our relationships with our partners, are healthier, more durable, and more satisfying. Very, very quickly, just to close, what does this walk look like? How do we get, how does we maintain this intimacy with God? See, the, it talks about it like a fountain and a spring, a spring of living water, a fountain of living water. This being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just like a, you, you know, it's happened once and now I have permanent intimacy with God and everything's like tickety-boo. Like a, it requires, a relationship requires work requires a, a daily uh, walk with God. Like I think if, um, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that if I said to my girlfriend, yes, I want intimacy with you, I can see you at 5.45 at Cottage Road Cinema on Sunday evening, and I'll probably be done by about seven because I'm going to be hungry. I'm pretty sure she dumped me. <laughs> in fact, I'm, I'm 100% sure she dumped me. You see, relationships, intimacy require daily walks. We talk about quiet times. Uh, we don't have time to look at how does this work? How do, we, um, how do we get intimacy? How do we work out our quiet times? I'd encourage you in your discipleship triplets, you know, your groups of one or two, people that you know, say, this is where I'm at. You know, actually, I'm finding, my qu- I'm finding my quiet time really hard. I'm finding intimacy with God hard. Like, help me out here. What's worked for you? How, like, what's some tips? Work together. Use one another. Use these relationships that we have here. Intimacy with God is crucial for our relationships with one another. It will change and transform your relationships as your intimacy with God is restored, as your relationship with him becomes restored. And so my invitation tonight is come to the fountain of living water. Come and delight in the richest affair. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you want to stand together? I'm going to um, sing a couple of songs and then we're going to take communion. Communion is this reminder that, um, of the lengths that God went to, the lengths that he went to in order to have his, rela- his relationship with humanity restored, that he would come in the person of Jesus and that he would die on the cross for us. And if you close your eyes, we're gonna, I'm going to briefly pray and then Olu and the, the band will lead us. Father, we thank you that you created us with the, uh, not just the capacity for relationships, Lord, but that you created us as relational beings, that you desire intimacy with us. God, we confess that we um, have separated ourselves from you. We have removed ourselves from the fountain of living water. And God, we confess that we look elsewhere to have our needs met. We create idols out of money, out of success, out of achievement. And Lord, we confess that at times we have created idols out of other people. We have created idols out of relationships. And Lord, as we recognize our idols, Lord, we confess that you alone are worthy of our affection. You alone are worthy of our worship. Lord, we recognize that only in you are our needs for intimacy, our needs for comfort, for affection, our needs to be truly known and truly loved only in relationship with you uh, can they be fully met. But we thank you that at Christmas, the, the God of history, the creator God came as a baby. He was born and he dwelt among us, that he made a way on the cross for us to have a restored relationship with the Father. And we thank you, Lord, that you um, give us your Holy Spirit and that we may know you. And so we ask even now as, as we sing these songs that you will be filling us with your Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, we come to you, the fountain of living water. We drink deep. We who are thirsty. We who have no money. We, though we bring nothing to the table, we come and receive. Come, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come receive the goodness of the living God.